When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball! Turn, picks and flow! And touchdown is frozen over. of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Welcome into another edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak getting you ready for week three. And the Saints are 1-1 one one going against the 0-2 Panthers. Jeff, how you doing this fine Tuesday? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I spent a lot of time watching this game and I'm very excited re-watching this game and I'm very excited to never have to watch it again. Because this was not an enjoyable game to watch. It was not an enjoyable game to, you know, have to have to try to figure out what happened in. It was just ugly. And so one thing that, you know, we're going to go over today is the lack of pressure and whether that's an actual concern, right? Not not whether it's going to be a long-term issue, whether like these first two games even matter in that regard. Because you have one sack through two games. And if you asked me beforehand, I would have said, it's a matchup dependent thing. And that's why I went and asked Dennis Allen yesterday what he thought. And we're going to have that in a second. That's going to be the first segment. We're going to go through a lot of the film. The second segment will be, you know, we're kind of look ahead to the next three weeks, which I think are pivotal for this team down the stretch. These are games you need to win and kind of get, go to the reasons why. And then finally, we're going to kind of reorder the tight end depth chart because I think we have seen through the first two weeks that there is a new pecking order at tight end. So we're going to kind of establish that. We talked to we talked to Juwan Johns. We'll have some sound from him. But first, here is what Dennis Allen said when I asked him yesterday, kind of, you know, what exactly is the concern or is there one as it pertains to the lack of pressure? I don't see it as an issue. Um, look, the, the two games that we have played, totally different games, you know, and how those games are being played. I think Tampa was a lot more get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of times where he was holding on to the ball to give us an opportunity to, to get to him. Um, and so, and look, they were 5 of 17 on third down. So, although we'd love to have, you know, a ton of sacks, the ultimate goal is to, you know, get off the field and get the ball back for your for your offense. And I thought overall, I thought we did a pretty good job of that. Um, the sacks will come. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I, you guys would probably have a better memory about this than I do. I don't know that we had a lot of sacks to begin the season last year. Um, but I think we ended up being, you know, one of the better teams in terms of sacking the quarterback by the end of the year. So, 
he's not wrong. The sacks will come. And uh, yeah, so I, I, that's what I kind of expected him to say because, you know, I went through the film and what the film said was, you know, pump the brakes. It's going to be okay. Um, but yeah, what did you, what, what are your kind of takeaways before we get into that of the first two weeks in terms of, you know, the defensive line, the pressure or the lack thereof? Yeah, we know in week one, obviously, things were a little different going against a quarterback like Marcus Mariota. And then week two, you got a guy like Tom Brady who gets rid of the ball so quickly. But it was really amazing to see just how quickly Brady was, you know, letting it go. And I, I don't know if that really had to deal with, you know, his lack of faith in the offensive line because how banged up they were. Yeah, I think Brady at this point in his career, you know, he's always been a guy that gets the ball out quickly. But I think at this point in his career, it's like, it's like you're not going to touch me. Like I'm I'm going to I'm going to we're going to punt before you hit me. And that's basically what happened. They did get to him once and they got pressure on him a couple other times. Here's one example where you know it's like okay, this doesn't go down as a sack, but that pressure kind of created that early throw and you know that was that was early in the game, I believe. I think that might have been the first drive. But so what I did was I went through and I clipped out kind of every single third and five or longer. Wow. And so what you had was the Bucks ended up in third and five or longer 14 times. They converted four, technically. One of them was the touchdown to Brashad Perriman, which was on a third and five. Two others came on the first drive of the game, and then they had one other that they converted. The, they had two others that they got a first down on, but those were penalties that ended up giving them a first down. So here's – and they go sequentially, so we'll just kind of go through and kind of watch them third and six on the first drive they actually were more efficient on the first drive of the game and i think the saints were kind of getting into their own rhythm and what you can see is already something's weird here right you're rushing three you have two linebackers dropping out so you have three guys rushing against five offensive linemen and a running back who's staying in the block right, right? this is already a game plan that is going to say we're not worried about pressuring the quarterback we are worried about tackling guys short of the sticks because we know he's going to get the ball out quickly and it's going to be on us to come up and make a play. This is another example of, of what you saw in that first half, which was anytime PJ Williams or Justin Evans was in coverage, he was going after him. And anytime he was in third and long, he was getting the ball out insanely quickly. Look how, look how fast this ball gets out. I mean, you're talking within two seconds, you know, it's in his hands he takes one kind of pivot step and that ball is already out to the running back. You physically can't tackle a guy in that amount of time. You know, you're talking like one point. I think I timed a couple of these and they were sub 1.2 seconds from snap to throw. <laughs> so it's like if, if you're worried about pressure, there's nothing you can do. The smart move is to drop eight. And that's what the Saints did a lot of the time is they dropped eight and they came up and they made a tackle. So this was that third and seven that Leonard Fournette got six yards on and ended up being fourth and one. And they stopped him on fourth and one. So win for the defense. You know, and, and this kind of continues. The, the offense, the Bucks offense did nothing, virtually nothing. After the second drive of the game, when they got stopped on fourth down, they fumbled right. on their first drive. They did basically nothing for the rest of the first half and a majority of the third quarter. And so, you know, I, I get that, you know, the lack of sacks is a concern, but... I don't know how much more effective you could be as a defense than holding another team to three points through three quarters. So let's keep that keep that in mind. And this is another one. That was third and 10, and you just come quick. This is third and nine. Another time you get the ball out fast, and I don't think this is a first down. Let's see. He actually hangs on to it this time, and he just dumps it into the dirt. You know, like, and, and this is a good example. Like, like the fact that he's holding the ball 
for more than like two seconds. Look how antsy he is. He's just waiting to get hit, waiting to get hit. And then he just, he just spikes it. And like, so Tom is not ready to get hit in this game. And he is a good enough quarterback that he is able to make sure that doesn't happen. Third and eight, again, rushing four, actually. And this is just an incomplete pass. That was one of the longer drops he had. This is another good example of this weird kind of rush technique. So you have Cam Jordan out wide. Then none of these are defensive linemen. That's Caden Ellis in the middle, Demario Davis to the left, and Tyron Matthew. And then over here to the right, you have Marcus Davenport and David Onyemata. So figure that one out. But again, that's what they're doing. They're, they're only rushing four. They're dropping Demario. Caden Ellis is picking up the center. And that ball is out right away. You get stopped short of the sticks, and it's, and it's a punt. You know, as Cam Jordan put it, you know, he's living to play another series. He is not worried about getting the first down. He is essentially just waiting and hoping that the Saints give up points. And that's what happened. Oh, so that was the play immediately preceding the Marshawn Lattimore ejection. This is the play that kind of got Mark Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus May into Tom Brady's head a little bit. And you can see what, what Tom's mad about is he thinks Marshawn's riding Scotty Miller on the play. And that should be a foul. If you go back and watch that fight, Marcus May is coming in going like this with his hand over his head saying that's uncatchable. And so, and that's Tom being Tom and antagonizing and, you know, how dare you kind of tell me I threw a bad pass. And anyway, moving on. But so from here on out, this is where I think the game plan for the Saints needed to change. And it didn't. Because from here, you know that Marshawn Lattimore is not in the game and Tom Brady is going to attack whoever is in that matchup. And that's what happened with P.J. Williams on that touchdown. This is the play that Bradley Roby comes in and gets called for that personal foul. So that's the third and 10. That's one of the third longs they converted on that really kind of questionable personal foul. Here, I believe, is the touchdown. He just sits and waits because he knows he has this matchup downfield. We're going to get a little more into this throw in a second. But, you know, and then, then they're playing with the lead. And from there, you see the same kind of quick release, quick release, quick release. So you're not getting sacks here. This is a programmed situation where he is he knows what he's doing and the Saints know what he's doing. And so the game plan is dictating that. Let's just talk about that for a minute. So do you understand when, when I say pump the brakes on this like concern over over sacks? Like you're not sacking Tom Brady in those instances, right? He he was only sacked twice against the Cowboys in week 1 and he's only and he sacked once against the Saints in week 2. Neither of those games, you would say that they had this explosive offense. So, you know, I think that that's where when Dennis Allen is saying, I'm not really concerned about the pressure stats, that's what you're looking at. Yeah, and I think, you know, Saints fans definitely saw this many years with a guy like Drew Brees under center who was also, mm -hmm. you know, so adept at getting rid of the ball so quickly. Right. Your quarterback has a lot to do with taking sacks. And you talk about a guy holding the ball too long, <clears throat> you know, he was undermining his own offense by getting the ball out that fast, right? It was not right. on third and nine. You do not want to be throwing the ball a yard behind the line of scrimmage if you're trying to get a first down, right? It was born out of necessity and the belief that he was not threatened by the Saints offense in that game. If Mark Ingram doesn't fumble and the Saints go up 10 to three in the third quarter, you might have seen Tom Brady playing in the situation that Jameis was and having to deal with, okay, now I do have to hold on to the ball. Now I have to push it downfield. Now we're going to lose this game if I don't make a play, right? Very similar to the playoff matchup against the Bucs in 2020. And so that's where, you know, he, you're both, both quarterbacks were kind of just sitting and waiting and seeing, okay, who's going to be have to go out of their comfort zone first? And that fumble 
made it so Jameis ended up being the one that had to go outside his comfort zone first. Um, and so that's the story of that game. You know, it would have been the story of the game in week 15 last year if the Saints had turned it over five times. That's just how it goes. I think a lot of the concern from maybe fans is the fact that in the preseason, we didn't really see much of a pass rush. And then even in a game like this, then you had, you know, former first round pick Peyton Turner not even playing in the game. So there, I, I feel those are those added to the concerns with the lack of a pass rush in this game or the perception of a lack of a pass rush. Well, I mean, there was a lack of a pass rush, but again, you know, in a lot of these instances, you were rushing three. And so here's one more that I want to look at, which is the touchdown play. We saw it from the end zone angle, but I want to show you from the, from the uh, sideline angle, because if you were wondering, you know, how did Marshawn Lattimore's ejection impact this game and this throw, this touchdown, 100% is a product of not having Marshawn Lattimore out there. So I'll describe it for the people listening. So what you have is Scotty Miller and Brashad Perriman are both lined up out wide. Scotty Miller is in a plus split. Bradley Roby is on top of him. Then you have PJ Williams lined up inside on top of Brashad Perriman, right? So this is a, this is a scenario where the Bucs know the Saints are in man coverage because the Saints have been playing man all day. Tom Brady knows, you know, he's seeing pressure, but he expects it to drop. He expects a three-man a three-man pressure, and that's what he gets. What he does is he motions Scotty Miller inside and stacks over Russell Gage. And so what happens is Bradley Roby comes with him. And what that does is it isolates P.J. Williams and Brashad Perriman. The matchup that Tom Brady wants to attack, he now has at as the widest matchup, which means that Brashad Perriman can do whatever he wants. He can release inside. He can release outside. And Tom is going to this the whole way. It does not matter what PJ does. He is throwing this ball. And I'll, I'll show you why you can tell that's the case. He comes down. PJ actually covers this pretty well. You know, he just doesn't locate the ball. He turns around too early and he doesn't locate the ball. But the reason I say, you know, that he's going to this the whole way is watch what happens with Russell Gage um, on this inside, like, pick play they're running. Alante Taylor and Bradley Roby completely blow this coverage. And then Russell Gage just gets a free release out into the flat here. I mean, if if Tom Brady is not dedicated to throwing to Brashad Perriman, which at this point he's covered, he's throwing there because he thinks that he can beat PJ Williams. If he's not just locked in here, all he has to do is, is, is hit Russell Gage here. He probably walks in for a touchdown, right? So that's what that's what you saw here was Tom Brady says, okay, PJ, one-on-one, I'm going after it. And I don't know if maybe it was a, oh, this guy got a pick six off me last year, so I'm going to embarrass him, which would not shock me at all from Tom Brady. He was doing that earlier in the game with PJ and Justin Evans. They were trying to isolate them in coverage. And every time he got it, he threw to Mike Evans or he threw Scotty Miller. And um, so what you saw here was the direct correlation with, okay, Marshawn Lattimore's off the fields. And all of a sudden, the passing game opens up. And I think... What you really wanted to see if you're the Saints, and this is probably just a a poor in-game adjustment, is you know PJ's isolated on the outside. You need to have help over the top. You can't be coming in and playing single coverage with Marcus May as your deep safety and expect PJ to hold up. That happens because you have watched Tom Brady all day get the ball out quick, and you have to come up and make a tackle. So you don't feel comfortable just sitting back on third and five and allowing him to do that. So you send Tyron Matthew up in run support, and that leaves Marcus May as a single high safety. 
And I also think he just doesn't play this well because you know there's not a ton coming at you from the opposite side of the field. All you have over there is Cameron Brayton, Leonard Fournette. I don't know why he is leaning this direction. I think this is a bad play by him. And I think earlier in the offseason, I said, when you look at Marcus May, you don't want to see him playing a ton of deep safety because I just don't think it's what he does best. He's best since coming downhill. He's best in the strong safety position. And he just doesn't play this well, right? There's only one receiver coming downfield and he just doesn't get anywhere near it. And I think this is just, you're a little out of sorts here without Marshawn on the field. And that's 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 what cost you in the game. That's brutal. But when you're dealing with the GOAT, you know, th- those are the things that, for the most part, this defense really thrived against Tom Brady, you know, and, and then you, you show that play against where he picked on P.J. Williams. And I'm sure there's no doubt he wanted to embarrass him after last year. Okay, so here, here's an example of what they were doing earlier in the game with uh, with Mike Evans. And so early in the game, Mike actually had an impact, and it's because the Saints were trying to get cute. They were playing a lot of cover two. They were playing a lot of zone. And in the past, you've seen Marshawn kind of shadow Mike Evans around the field. He was not early in the game. And the you have to give the Bucks credit. They had a really well-designed scheme to get guys open. And like that play, you know, we can say, oh, it's because Marshawn's not out there. They also devised it brilliantly so they could isolate the matchup they wanted and they attacked it and they won. And so here you have Mike Evans out wide. Now, so Marshawn is lined up over him, but they're in zone. So he's not going to follow him inside. And so when, when Mike Evans goes inside, it's Justin Evans who has to come up and guard him. And so Tom Brady sees that and he knows exactly where he's going with the ball, right? And so that's what, when you play the Bucs, when you face the Bucs, you have to be aware that Tom Brady is not going to be fooled. He is not going to be confused. If he sees a matchup he wants to attack, he's going to set it up and he's going to go after it. And that's what you were able to avoid by kind of shifting your game plan and getting into a more kind of man up scheme. And what you needed to do late in that game is go back to how you started the game because you didn't have the personnel to play man across the board like you were doing. Because you don't have Paulson Adebo, and then you didn't have Marshawn Lattimore, and that's what kind of burned the Saints. You know, and, and that's tough to adjust to on the fly. And I think not being able to do that is what cost them on that touchdown play. But again, you know, the offense didn't do anything either. So we are really nitpicking it on the defense if we are trying to pin this loss on a team that allowed three points in the first three quarters of that game. Yeah, and then obviously one of the the touchdowns for Tampa Bay wasn't even an offensive score, was a pick six. Well, exactly, right, right. Um, And the defense forced the turnover on the first drive of the game. They forced the turnover on downs on the second drive of the game. And I've never understood why a turnover on downs doesn't go into the the box score as a turnover. It's literally called a turnover on downs. But when you talk about the turnover margin, you're saying the Saints lost it five to one. When they, but like, so why isn't the turnover on? This is completely uh, just an aside, but like, why don't we consider a turnover on downs as a turnover? It's literally called a turnover. Yeah, one of those quirky football things that doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's like, I consider a missed field goal to be as good as a turnover. And in most cases, it's worse. Like, James threw threw an interception in the end zone. That's way less damaging than a missed 50 yard field goal because at least they have to start. Right. They have to start in deep in their own territory. You just if you miss a 40 to 50 yard field goal, you're just giving them the ball in plus field position. And, you know, it's kind of topical because the Saints actually decided not to kick a 57 yarder in the first half of this game. And, uh, you know, I, and that's what you're worried about is giving up that field position. But, yeah, that's I think that, you know, 
it's tempting to try to go after the defense and say, well, they could be doing more. They could be getting sacks. And it's like they did as much as you could have hoped in that game. And the, the shortfall came on the, the offensive side of the ball. And that's where you have to fix uh, the issues that are plaguing this team. My opinion. I think the issues with folks are having is the fact that it's a culmination of the two games that this team only has one sack right now. And the fact that Winston's been sacked 10 times this season already. Yeah, well, that doesn't help either. Here's what Dennis Allen said to say on, on Peyton Turner when we asked about why he was inactive for this game. wanted to get Tano in the game and, and, and see if he could, uh, you know, be an improvement from where we were last week. Yeah, that's all I said. And I think the issue you're having is you have one too many pass rushers. And the only reason it's quote unquote an issue is because they're actually all healthy. Which, which is rarely the case, right? You, you expect throughout the season you're not going to have every pass rusher healthy. And so you have to have one inactive. And week one, it was Tano Passigno. And week two, it was Peyton Turner. But it's just not a good sign that your first round pick from last season is the guy who's at the bottom of the depth chart alongside Tano Passigno. Yeah, I was going to say that. And then you added the fact a guy like you know, your third round pick, Zach Bond, is really m- just a special teams contributor. It doesn't sit well with fans. They're different draft classes, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the 2021 draft actually looks pretty good because we've talked about Pete Warner. He was excellent. He's tied for the NFL lead in solo sacks or some solo tackles at 18. Paulson Adebo, although we haven't seen him in the first two weeks, uh, has looked excellent. And hopefully when he does get back, he, he shows that. Yeah, he and was then, a training camp all-star for mostly everybody. Right. And so Peyton Turner, you know, even if you feel like, I think that you're still going to see positive things out of Peyton Turner. He's probably a little just behind the developmental curve that you'd want to see at this point. But I'm not, you know, you're not giving up on Peyton Turner yet. But the good news is that draft class, you can at least, you can at least say, wow, well, there's two really good picks in there. And hopefully the first round pick can figure it out. The 2020 class, which we're going to get into one of those players in, in the next segment, that looks rough, you know, with with Cesar Ruiz, uh, who I thought actually played reasonably well in this game. He played well in the run blocking game, but beyond that, you know, Zach Bond, Adam Troutman, it's it's not a pretty picture from that 2020 draft at all. Yeah, and the thing with this team, we've we've usually seen them hit pretty much with their later round picks, and uh, the the addition of Zach Bond though was a question from the start, just because of where he plays and how this team planned on using him, just didn't really seem to mesh. When we get to the end, you know, when we get down the road, what we're going to find out from the Saints, and I'm sure a lot of other teams, is that 2020 draft class was really difficult to gauge because you didn't get time to scout. You didn't get time to interview players, especially not in person because that was the COVID year. And, you know, there's just guys that you took because they fell and you didn't have a really good read on them and then they just didn't fit. But, you know, you, you, give, you have to give credit to Zach Bond for just doing his job, right? You know, he's not complaining about not having run in, in the main defense. And he, he is a good athlete. He's a guy who can have an impact on special teams. So, you know, worst case scenario, you have a good special teams contributor, and that's what you have from him. But And this this draft class this year, I think, is going to be very good. Uh, Alante Taylor had a really solid game, although, you know, he did mess up that coverage with Bradley Roby down there at the bottom on that touchdown pass. Didn't end up hurting him because they got hurt elsewhere. You know, I, and I think Trevor Penning is going to be solid. We haven't got to see him yet, but he looked good in the preseason. Chris Olave got 13 targets yesterday. He's got to figure out how to hold on to the ball when he catches it. But you know, I think more often than not, you're seeing hits in the draft. And, you know, some of those first round picks have been have been questionable. We totally needed Trevor Penning around in that the, the fight going on. 
Yeah, he would have been involved. Definitely would have been involved. Although he would have had to run from the sideline to be involved. So maybe <laughs> not. You know, that would have been, that's a long run for an offensive lineman who's like not in. Yeah, he's probably sitting down trying to get some rest. So uh, he would have, he would have been like, I need a piece of this somehow. Yeah, yeah he would have probably gotten found his way out there. But yeah, I don't want to talk about the fight anymore. I've already yelled about Mike Evans enough, although he did get suspended. So I do feel justified in my, in my Mike Evans is a punk rant. I was surprised there was only one game though. Nah, I wasn't. I mean, that's just kind of how they how they operate. You know, it, it, get one game suspension at all is significant, especially for a team that has to go and play the Packers this week. And it's not Cole Beasley too. They're they're desperate for wide receivers right now with Julio down. Yeah, and then also um, what's his name, Godwin. Godwin, yeah. Uh, look, got got. They might be back for that game, but right. yeah, I mean that's not a game you want to be without Mike Evans for. So it's significant if they end up dropping that game because he's suspended. You know, and then it costs them. And, you know, they're only 2-0, and right? This is not like they're they're 10-1 and and the Saints just can't beat them. You know, they're, the Saints are 1-1, and the Bucs are 2-0, and and they meet again. So this is just like, okay, you got round one. Now the Saints have to worry about getting round two. And we're going to get into a lot more of that um, in the next segment. And we're going to talk about kind of what's coming up on the schedule because there's a lot there's a lot to to try to figure out over the next few weeks. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. 